0: There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made. Nothing you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. What comes next? All you need, thank you, all you need is love. Love is all you need. Uh, it was uh, released by the Beatles, 1967. I'm not going to ask who was around uh, for its release. Uh, in the middle of the summer of love. And uh, it has been sung ever since to celebrate love. Uh, I've heard it twice this year, two different occasions. Well, One Corinthians thirteen is often taken as the biblical equivalent, sort of as a, sort of an, an inspiring meditation, an ode to love, uh, read at occasions such as uh, weddings to to celebrate love, and of course uh, you can apply it to to the newlyweds as well as those who have been married uh, a lifetime. But uh, that was not the context that it was written in, uh, nor the occasion for which it was written for. It was not written to married couples. It was written to a local church. And the context is 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul says things like, Now to each one of you the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And last week, the first week in our, in our mini-series, I, I put it to you that if God has chosen you and placed you among us, then you ought not deprive us of what God has given you to contribute. And now in 1 Corinthians 13, it's almost as if Paul says... But before you tick a box, before you put up your hand to serve, you must first examine your heart because you ought to do so out of love and in love. Otherwise, it will all amount to nothing. And so he writes, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, like a resounding gong, clanging cymbal, have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. These gifts here were prized by the church in Corinth. Notice that Paul does not diminish the gift. Just the person exercising the gift. It isn't the gift that's the problem. It's the heart of the person who is exercising it. That is the problem. You can make sacrifices. You can even sacrifice yourself. But without love, it'll all amount to nothing. What matters most to God is not outward expressions of service or devotion. But what matters most is the motivation behind such expressions. What matters most is the heart. You'll have heard all this before, but if you're currently serving in some way, it's just worth asking, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Why do you volunteer at the bargain centre? Why are you a part of the music team? Why have you put up your hand to, to help out with the holiday kids club? And if you're going to start serving, why will you do what you will do? Will it be out of a sense of, of of obligation, or so you can give yourself, or else others can give yourself a pat on the back? Or maybe because a particular way of serving doesn't require much of you. See, the problem is that a lot of what you and I do may look good, may even feel good. But love goes much deeper than what meets the eye. So when it comes to exercising our spiritual gifts to serving, we must search our hearts. Is your heart captured by the biblical vision to make more disciples, to make more mature disciples? So you can do everything, but if there's no love, it all adds up to nothing. It's like trying to make a cheese sandwich, right, for your kid at school, only for when your kid... For when your kid he opens his lunchbox at lunchtime and takes a bite, just bread, right? Cheese is the indispensable ingredient to a cheese sandwich. And so it is with love. Love is the indispensable ingredient when it comes to serving But what does it look like to serve out of love and in love? Well, he goes on, doesn't he? He says, Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonour others, is not self seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And the word used for love here again and again is the word agape. It describes a sort of selfless concern for others that seeks nothing in return. And Paul uses it here to paint this extremely attractive, extremely compelling picture of the sort of love that ought to characterize Christians and our churches. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, well, we just rarely live up to this ideal, do we? I remember being challenged as a, um, as a teenager to uh, insert my name into this passage instead of the word love as a way to motivate me to become more loving. David is patient. David is kind. He does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, etc., etc. I actually didn't find that terribly motivating, <laughs> but uh, awfully humbling, actually. So it's not just a matter of sort of turning into this some sort of personal mantra, where if I say it enough, well, I'm going to become loving enough. So long as we keep the focus on ourselves, we'll inevitably end up frustrated. But Paul did have in mind a person who perfectly embodied this sort of love, for Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonour others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. And to be a Christian is to increasingly sense that Jesus loves you. He loves you like this. See, see, Christians are called to grow in the love that is pictured here in 1 Corinthians 13. But this side of heaven, we're never going to embody it perfectly. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus did. And actually, it's his love for us that inspires us and enables us to love one another like we wouldn't otherwise be able to. Our distorted human version of love tends to be more transactional. And it's infiltrated the church. It's infiltrated the church in the way even that we think about serving. So I've seen it from time to time... Uh, even, even, even at TMPC. You might even recognise this somewhere deep within yourself. Someone works hard for a long time and yet at some point begin to feel unappreciated or undervalued. And so they become resentful. They feel as if somehow there's this bargain that hasn't been honoured. And they become joyless and bitter and say things like, after all I've done for this church. Here's another symptom of of a more transactional love. You put up your hand to serve so that you can make sure it's done the way you want it done. That's a tempting one. It doesn't sound so bad. At least someone's doing it right. But what happens if it doesn't end up going the way you want it to go? The child in us throws our hands up in the air and announces, fine, I'm not playing. The love that Jesus showed and we're called to show does not rely on it being reciprocated. It is not tit for tat. It comes from a self-giving concern for others that seeks nothing in return. It's unconditional. And his love for us is ultimately expressed in his death, which the Bible actually describes in serving terms, Jesus came to be, uh, not to be served, but to serve. And in Philippians 2, we're told that our relation, in our relationships with one another, we are to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and so being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We pursue a servant-hearted lifestyle because God embraced that life himself. We serve because Christ first served us. And notice that Christ served to save. See that? He served to save. And ultimately that too should be why it is that we serve. We ought to have as our deepest concern the bringing of the gospel into people's lives that we might make more disciples and more mature disciples. That's why so many of the gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament have to do with the speaking of the word. But there are many, many other gifts that are a part of a, a healthy local church. So for instance, You might have the gift of helping. I love that gift. Or the gift of administration. Or the gift of giving generously. Or showing mercy. These are all gifts that are described in the New Testament. There are all sorts of acts of service that can be used in a multitude of ways to build up the body. but we must exercise our gifts with the proper perspective, out of love and service to one another and to Christ, lest we become self-focused. After all, Paul says that love lasts, whereas, whereas gifts are only temporary. So back in 1 Corinthians now, he says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. All these gifts that the Corinthians were so proud of, they had a shelf life. That is, they were only useful in the here and now. Because there's a church in the here and now that needs building up. Of course, there's going to come a time, isn't there, where gifts are no longer needed to build up the church because the church will already be complete. Or as one writer puts it, I love this, because the sun rises, all other lights will go out. Love that. The Corinthians thought that their experiences of the gifts of God's Spirit in the here and now was the end game of following Jesus. But it's not. Our present experiences are incomplete, imperfect. They are, uh, they are but childhood as compared to adulthood. A dim reflection as compared to seeing the real thing. And we will see the real thing. And so he says, look, in the meantime, pursue love. Because love... Transcends even our time together in this life and will last into our eternity together. He's not diminishing the gifts. The message of 1 Corinthians is not all you need is love. That's not the message of 1 Corinthians. This is not love versus gifts, but love as the only context. Four gifts. Love is the way in which the gifts in which he has given each and every one of you ought to be, uh, ought to function. So when it comes to exercising our spiritual gifts to serving, we must search our hearts. Is your heart captured by the biblical vision to make more disciples, to make more mature disciples? Am I serving or will I serve out of love, in love? For those who don't can do more harm than good. Well, what's next? Uh, well, in preparation for this series, I've done a bit of a I've done a bit of a stock take of all the different ministry needs uh, and, and opportunities. Um, formal and, and informal uh, at TNPC, ways to serve uh, in our Sunday gathering as well as uh, outside, of our, outside of our gathering. And I'm going to share this list with you now because next week we're actually going to put these to you uh, and ask that you prayerfully consider how it is that you have been gifted, how it is that you have been called to build up uh, the church and so some of these are going to require more explanation than others you'll receive something like this next week and already I took a look at this this morning and I was like I've missed one so um, some of these are going to require more explanation than others on the left hand side you've got different ways uh, that you could well serve inside the Sunday gathering as part of the welcoming team or the music team part of the audio visual team, that's, that's not as scary as it sounds by the way, um, offering to read the Bible in public or lead us in prayer or to, to offer to, to be a part of the people who, who make morning tea happen for us, facilitate that fellowship after the service, we help with kids church. Well, be a part of the church life team. I've just made this up, by the way. Um, and that is, I want a team, a small team of people who are willing to think about... So, so the welcoming <coughs> team thinks about how it is that we can connect with those who walk in the door, yeah? The church life team then considers, well, how, it is, how is it that we can connect with one another? Church lunches, perhaps. Or, I don't know church life team and we really need a creche or if you're South African, creche isn't it? Something like that creche we really need a creche, that is we really need a space and people who are willing to look after the real little ones to allow the mums and dads to sit in and listen to a sermon every now and then heaps of ways, right? What about outside of the Sunday gathering? Growth group leading. Or perhaps it's not quite you, but maybe maybe you've got a house, you've got a lounge room, you're very willing to do a really good job of hosting. Maybe that's you. Or youth group leading on a Friday night. We need helpers for that ministry, we need leaders for that ministry, we need people who are willing to support that ministry cooking a meal, whatever it might be. Pastoral care team. I'd love for a a little group of people to to come from this congregation who are willing to just reach out to those people who are in need among us on our very fringes of our church, who can organise those meal rosters for, for people who are in need. Bargain centre, we, we need... The bargain is busy as, as, as it ever has been, right? We need helpers, we need volunteers. And there's such a range of different jobs that can be done down there, inside and outside of ours. I'd love for us to be able to get a team together who are willing to think about missions and supporting our missionaries and engaging with them meaningfully. Perhaps world missions is a real passion of yours. Admin help. Sometimes we need some help in the office. But also some of these other teams might need your help as well in trying to just getting organised and putting some data together and things like that. Maintenance. This building is getting to an age where Stuff is just uh, falling apart. <laughs> we just need a small group of people who are willing to keep their eye on things. And actually, when it comes time to volunteer their time, to 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 fix or to clean, or to organise a working bee or whatever it might be. Religious instruction happens on a Wednesday here on the mountain. At both our uh, schools, at uh, St Bernard's and um, TMSS, we need people who are willing to teach every week. We need people who are willing to just fill in if a if a teacher is sick or away. Playtime, playtime is our <clears throat> is our uh, Tuesday morning um, play group. Our our mums, mums and dads, and their bubs and their little ones come to the hall. And we need extra hands. Not just to serve tea and coffee, though we do need helpers in that regard, but also to just get around and talk to some of them and connect with them, connect them with others. I'd love to have a small group of women who are really passionate about women's ministry, trying to think about how it is that we, how can we build up, our sisters in Christ here at TNPC. How can we reach the women on the mountain? Things like Equip, which, happen, which happened a, a few months ago. I'd love for a small team to take that over, really run with it. Some sort of event around Christmas to be reaching the women of, uh, of, of, of our community. And similarly, I'd like uh, the same thing for us men. Men's ministry... Can be very simple, <laughs> so don't be afraid. Maybe you want to be involved in that. Now I've probably missed some. I have actually missed some. I've missed the opportunity to, if if you're, if you have some time throughout the week to uh, clean midweek or after events here at church. Anyway, I'll probably miss some more. But you'll notice, actually, there's a space for you to suggest other ways that you believe you can serve. Uh, But to be clear, our vision is to make more disciples and more mature disciples. That is the lens through which we will identify needs and opportunities and assess what we will invest our time and money and resources in. The mountain already has a lot on offer. But the one thing that we have to offer that no one else does is the gospel. And so let's make sure that the gospel is front and centre. We can't do everything, but what we do do will be aligned with our vision. And in all of this, There is a need for wisdom and discernment for both you and I. So, for example, it's probably not a good idea to put up your hand to play the piano if you can't play the piano. That just could get awkward for all of us. And it's not a free-for-all, right? Some areas will require specific skills or a certain certain level of responsibility, or a certain spiritual maturity. And ultimately, in light of 1 Corinthians 13, it might mean doing something that you don't really feel you're gifted for, but for the sake of others you're willing to do anyway. Or perhaps you can put up your hand for those things that simply require what I like to call the gift of availability. That is, if you are available, you have the gift. But once again, it's worth asking, why will you do what you will do? Why will you do what you do? The other question I think we must ask, given the love that ought to characterize us, A selfless concern for others that seeks nothing in return is this. Why won't you do what you won't do? Why won't you do what you won't do? Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have gifted each and every one of us. Call us to be together to be a body, the body of Christ. And we know that we are each called to build it up by using what you have given us. But I pray that we might do so out of and in love. For without this, it'll all amount to nothing. So Father, I pray that you might do a work in our hearts this week, as we prayerfully consider all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.